Welcome to Scenes of Beauty, a platform that is here to empower you to be your most authentic self and celebrate your own version of beauty, whatever that might be. I'm Chloe and I'm making it my mission to help you find and live your truest selves by connecting you with people that I believe live on their own terms. Each week, I sit down with guests that are all designed to show you that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes, and it means something completely different to every single one of us. Scenes of Beauty is a relatively new platform, so I wanted to ask you all a little favour. My aim is to reach as many people as possible with my weekly episodes, and the only way that I can do that is with your help. So if you're enjoying listening to the podcast and taking things away from it, please hit the subscribe button, share with friends and follow me on Instagram. It really helps with growing the podcast, which in turn helps me to get bigger guests and share their stories even further. I think that this is one of my favourite episodes so far. Bashamba Das is Britain's first Asian plus size model who has been on a journey of self-discovery for the past 20 years. She is a lawyer and a magistrate by day and alongside has dedicated time to building herself into someone that is content, comfortable and self-inspired by who she is. One of the most refreshing and empowering conversations I've had to date, Bishamba is a complete boss but in her own way which I absolutely loved about her. After growing up with extreme pressures and constantly telling herself that she's just not good enough, she now lives life on her own terms. There is so much value in this episode, learning how to value and accept your body, how to be determined and passionate, and that we all face pressures in some way or another, and the only way to grow is by sharing them. So with that, here's Bashamba's version of beauty. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, Bishamba. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excited to be here talking to you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, We are recording on a Monday night. (laughs) We both joined in and I was like, oh my God, I've got a hair mask in. I'm in pyjamas. I hope you don't mind. And you dialed in with the exact same. So we're both sat here with wet hair. hair Exactly. 
my hair is wet and I actually was wearing my PJs but I thought I'd be a little bit you know more presentable and I quickly threw a hoodie on top but I've got my Lion King PJs on underneath (laughs) um it's Monday and we need to be cozy and comfortable so I'm here for it um okay let's get into it shall we do you want to give a bit of intro to who you are what you're about why you're here I'm here so for those who don't know me, my name is Bishamba Das, and I am predominantly known as being Britain's first Asian plus size model. Now that goes both ways because a lot of people have said to me, well, why do you need to tell everyone that, you know, you're, you're the first or you're Asian, you know, why can't you just say that you're a model or you're a plus size model? Um, but the reason why I very proudly, uh, you know, say that title is because when I first started off seven years ago, there was no South Asian woman or even an Asian lady that I can recall in the United Kingdom in particular, um, who was basically representing in the plus size industry, which, you know, was important for me because I'm a plus size lady. Um, so that's who I am. And like I said, I'm a plus size model and I've been modeling for over seven years. But apart from that, it's not the only thing that I do. And like, I believe that women are amazing at juggling so many different roles. They don't have to just be one thing in their life. Um, I actually come from the field of law. Um, I'm actually one of the first youngest Asian magistrates in the whole of the country. I was 22 years old when I was appointed. So I'm very proud of that position that I hold. Um, And apart from that, I work in the field of child protection as well. So you can do anything. Yeah. God, where to start? Where do we start? Where do we (laughs) go? Um, can we talk about a little bit, can we go back a little bit and like talk about when you were younger and if childhood is relevant, I'm, I kind of want to go into like how you've got to, I kind of want to go into how you've got to the point of being Britain's mm-hmm. first Asian plus size model. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So my journey in particular, Chloe, has been um, quite a difficult one. Everyone has a story to tell. And, you know, my story, um, even though I'm born and raised in the UK and, you know, I have had this great education and all these amazing opportunities, um, you know, in the United Kingdom, I still am a very proud South Asian woman. Um, You know, my heritage, I belong to my father's side is from Malaysia, for example. My mother's side is from India. And the reason why you know, I mentioned these things is because when we belong to different cultures, there's different ways of life that comes along with that. Um, You know, and despite being born and raised here, I, you know, um, was heavily influenced by my culture, uh, the way I was raised and how many languages I can speak and the food that was available to us and so on. Um, And, you know, sadly, um, you know, being a young South Asian woman in this country, who's the first generation in this country, because my parents came here for a better future, worked all their lives so they can give their children the education and the opportunities that they never got themselves. I had very limited family around me. So meaning I had a very small support network. And um, sadly, which is not the only story, uh, this story doesn't only belong to me is what I'm trying to say. It's a story of a lot of, you know, South Asians where, um alcoholism is a big problem and for me my father was an alcoholic and I grew up with that and I saw you know the devastate and I still live with the devastating effects that that can have on an individual especially when you're a child stuck in this you know horrible situation where domestic violence 
um, is the norm. I would regularly see, you know, my parents, um, you know, in a domestic situation. And I was just this helpless child that had nowhere to go, didn't know who to reach out to. I've hardly got any family in this country, completely alone. Um, so that was really my upbringing. And I was just trying to be normal, fit in everywhere. You know, I was trying to fit in at home and be this ideal daughter. I was trying to fit in at school and be this great student, despite having all these issues that were going on in my household, which I could never, ever speak to any teacher about. I was trying to fit in and be this great friend. I was trying to find my identity. I was trying to find a balance in between being an Indian Punjabi girl and also, you know, having these amazing values that I have in Western society as well I was always just trying to fit in and it was a lot to handle for a small little soul to handle that burden was it was great um and I always remember one thing uh I just couldn't cope when it came to my teenage years and I just started to abuse my relationship with food that became my um, coping mechanism that was the only thing that I could do to take out my frustration, my anger, my happiness, everything just on food. And I was trapped in this horrible, horrible cycle where I would just keep eating. I'm happy. I'm eating. I'm sad. I'm eating. I did not know how to regulate my emotions. And I became morbidly obese. And the saddest part is I belong to a culture where it's not so bad now, but it still happens. Certainly when I was growing up, belonging to a South Asian culture, people who are not related to you would happily come up to you, poke their nose into your business and say some really, really unkind comments. And I just have to accept it and think, well, she's older than me or he's older than me. It's okay for them to say it. So for example, I would never forget this moment. I went to uh, my local temple on a Sunday, like people tend to go to church and um, people would constantly make comments to my mom, such as your daughter has a beautiful face, but she's really fat. Who's going to marry her? And sadly, there's so much emphasis on South Asian women when they are young to be these, this perfect ideal, you know, girl, not just physically, but emotionally, physically, mentally as well. And she has got to be just right because one day she's got to be good enough for this man who no one cares about what, how he looks or what he brings to the table, but she's got to be good enough because otherwise who's going to marry her. And I grew up with that. So another added layer on top where I never thought I was ever good enough for anyone. So I believe that up until my teenage years that I'm just not good enough because I'm fighting to fit in. And now I've got random people telling me, you know what, <laughs> no one's going to marry you. So I genuinely grew up believing that I'm not worthy of love. And it was that where finally, you know, I started to achieve in my life academically, but still had my struggles, still have my struggles now as a 35, 36 year old woman, um, you know, but I'm learning that them struggles don't define me. And that was really my journey. And the reason why I wanted to become a plus size model, because I'm sick and tired of being told all the time that fat is ugly. Fat is not ugly. Fat does not define my personality or what I bring to the table. Um, so that's really what made Bishamba Britain's first Asian plus size model. Yeah. How, how do you navigate all of that as a child, as a teenager, as someone growing, trying to fit in, trying to... It's hard enough being a teenager anyway without all of that pressure. Um, I mean, everyone faces pressure, but it sounds like you had a lot. Um, yeah, how do you navigate that as a as a youngster? 
it was so hard to navigate it. I just didn't know how to feel. No one told me that it's okay for you to be upset. No one told me that it's okay for you to cry. No one told me it's okay for you to talk about how you're feeling. I was just constantly put in this pressure cooker where I've got to be perfect. I've got to be that great daughter for my mom because she's had enough of my dad at home and all the troubles that he's bringing to the household. Then I've got to be this perfect daughter for my dad because he's like, look at my daughter, look what she's doing. She's not the failure that I was in my life. And then I've got this pressure from society, my community as such, that don't even care the slightest, you know, what clothes I have on my back or, you know, what food's on my table. They They couldn't care less, but it's okay for them to come and make these comments. And I had to be perfect for them too. It's just for so this random person can one day say, oh, wow, Bishamba's beautiful. I want to marry her. I wanted that validation from other people. And that's all that was engraved within me. That's all that I was taught as a child. So it's absolutely crazy. That pressure for me was only released through my relationship with food. And the only way that I could do that was abuse it. And I'm not perfect now. I still do that, you know. I binge I sometimes don't know how to regulate my emotions. Luckily, now we understand that, you know, therapy is available and it can help you. And there's different types. No one cared about it when Bishamba was young. You know, it's frowned upon. What therapy? What's wrong with you? What's depression? You know, what are these problems? They don't understand them because of lack of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It is wild. And I guess, you know, the you talk a lot about getting to this point where you are acceptable enough to be with someone that must be a bloody hard thing to go through absolutely and you know it's not something that one day you just wake up and you think yes I can do it it's taken years and years of conditioning you know to be undone and I'm so thankful that we are in a position now, thanks to social media, where you can follow people that actually are truly inspiring. You know, I wish that I was a young, even though I'm not saying young people in today's times don't have any difficulties, they probably have great difficulties in other ways. But I wish that, you know, I was exposed to the things that I'm exposed to now when it comes to, you know, body neutrality and et cetera when I was a child, um, it's only now that I've been able to understand that, you know what, I don't need validation from anyone else. We're forever changing, just like every scenario and situation in our lives. Nothing's constant. And our body doesn't need to be constant. The way we look doesn't need to be constant. One day I can glam up and look absolutely amazing. And the other day I could be sitting here having a chat with Chloe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, completely. I completely agree. But I think it's, it's a difficult journey to to get to that point, which I'm really keen to move on to. It sounds like something changed or there was a breaking point or what was it? Because you obviously stand for a lot and how you speak about it is, you know, super passionate um, Mm -hmm. about who you are and what you stand for. But what what changed? I just remember... um... I, oh, oh, it actually goes back to my modeling. So my modeling, uh, it never started off where I intended to be a model. I never thought that, oh, wow, you're so amazing. Go for this. It was just by chance that I saw an ad on Instagram um, saying that you could be part of a beauty pageant. And I have never, ever done anything like this in my whole entire life. I would never dare present myself on a stage, let alone in front of the world. 
Um, and I remember walking into this audition and I was the only plus size girl there. The rest were absolutely beautiful, super slim, typical model looking type ladies. And I knew straight away, I don't stand a chance. And I thought to myself, you know what? I fail at everything I do in my life anyway. So let's just go ahead and make a clown of myself here. Now I've got nothing to lose. And did you apply for it? I just, I think at that point, I just thought to myself that I'm done with other people telling me how I should be. And I think a big part of that was I was starting to recognize that actually, you know, in United Kingdom, for example, plus size models are being recognized. It's a thing. And I just kept thinking to myself, why is that not recognized in my culture, in my part of the world? Um, and again, you know, Bollywood is massive. We're so massively influenced by it. And every movie that I watched as a child, because that was my form of entertainment back then, you know, super, super thin, beautiful looking women who have to be a certain skin tone. They have to be very fair, even though despite, you know, um, South Asian women, we come in all sorts of shades. Um, you know, your features have to be a certain way. And the most number one thing that has to be a top of the gender is how thin you are. I never, ever saw a woman my size reflected, you know, even in India. And I'm a South Asian woman who's trying to identify with that. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. well, here plus size women are being, you know, really celebrated. Why is that not happening there? Um, and that's when I decided, you know what, I'm just going to try my look. And I think I was at the right place at the right time. You know, I had the right passion for it. And that's when I, I went ahead. And to my surprise, I actually came second runner up against nine European countries. So I represented the United Kingdom and I was up against nine European countries, the only plus size girl there. And I kicked ass because, you know, confidence came with people looking at me thinking, what is this fat girl doing here? Well, this fat girl just kicked your ass and she's now, you know, (laughs) second runner up. So that's really when I realized that, you know what, I've got a story here. It's not just about being beautiful and looking like a typical model. You know, this is now time to make a change. And I never let go. And now I've never looked back. Yeah. And what so just talk me through that like you're in this room and there's loads of other model-esque girls there how does it feel what do you do what happens who's judging is it do you judge do you walk no absolutely so it was a bit of an audition in terms of presenting yourself you talk they ask you a few questions so they want to see you know how are you able to hold a conversation um you know publicly um we were told to basically um audition so some people decided they want to do a dance some people were doing different things um and they do look at how you hold yourself on stage basically so you do do catwalk and etc um And I'm not going to lie, I was terrified inside. I have never, ever opened myself up to scrutiny like that in front of anyone. So for me to take that that leap was a big deal. Um, And I'm so glad I did, because if I'd carried on staying in my comfort zone, wouldn't be where I am today. And hand on heart, I can really say to you, Chloe, I did not think in a million years that where I started then that I'd be sitting here right now. What has happened now? I never planned it all at all so it's the best thing that could have happened yeah and how long ago was that about seven years ago so it's yeah. right at the beginning of when the whole plus size movement and community was starting off so really I was at the right place at the right time yeah let's delve a bit deeper into plus size and curve and body positivity and body confidence um and your thoughts about it because obviously it's changed dramatically mm-hmm. Um, and you know you've said all of the all of the words plus size curve whatever um and you feel you seem to feel comfortable with it um a lot of people don't I'm not sure how I feel about it I in terms of 
body positivity I don't I don't know what it means I don't know what I don't know what the definition of it is I can't quite register it in my brain because I think for so many different people it it means a lot of different things um and I see a lot of people fighting to be body positive rather than embracing themselves to be body positive does that make sense just unpack what what your version of it is in your head or how you define it I'm literally the last person yeah I'm literally the last person to come to when it (laughs) basically um politically saying the right things if that makes sense or using the right vocab um so to me you know loads of vocab has come out of there we've learned so many things about different words and what they mean and so on but I've now truly come to the understanding that I don't need to feel positive all the time and it's unrealistic for us to always think that I should be so positive I'm in this body it's okay for me to say you know what I didn't look good today and that's fine it's okay for me to be absolutely feeling myself one day and say oh my god you look absolutely amazing no one's like you you know, but the main thing is that I have come to recognize and realize that my body is more than what it just looks, what it's physically about. It's more to do so with how it basically presents, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is what it can do for me. You know, I could be feeling not so confident, but I'm still waking up and I'm still moving around and I'm still doing X, Y, Z in a day. That's what's more important rather than my mind saying, I'm confident or not, you know, it comes through as delivering. And for me, that's how I basically value my body, that it always comes through regardless of how my brain is feeling, you know, physically, it's still there. It's fighting, it's doing its thing. It's, it just, it doesn't give up on me. Um, so I don't know how I define that into words. I'm not the best person to come to. I'm not this body confidence dictionary, but for me, that's just how I see it. Yeah. And I don't, Yeah, I think I asked you that question because I do think some people feel pressure by the term plus size body confident to to react and to be body positive if they don't fit into a size eight, size 10 model-esque person. I I don't know if I'm making any sense. Um, It absolutely makes sense. And I agree with you. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, there there are labels out there. They're always going to be labels. And there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, don't use the word plus size um, for a model. A model is a model. Um, I just look at it and think, well, you know what, it's a term for me to express something. And I use that term. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like even use, using the word fat. You know, we're told this. Well, we're not told, but we're made to feel that it's a derogatory word. For example, I don't look at it like that. I happily describe myself as a happy fat woman. You know, and what's wrong with that? We all have a percentage of fat on us. There's not one single human being on this planet that doesn't have any fat on them. So we're all fat. Yeah. How how did you change that narrative internally in terms of? Because you obviously you've talked about your relationship with food hasn't always been the best or most positive experience. How do you start to flip it into a positive, into celebrating who you are as you are? I mean, for me, it was I'm a very stubborn personality. So once I make up my mind what I want, what I want to do, you know, I've always demonstrated that in my academic life, in terms of my careers. And I just thought to myself, well, if I'm if I've got it together in that sense, why can I not take control of my personal life as well? Why am I allowing these emotions and these thoughts to control me? 
um, you know, and that ultimately controls if I feel happy or if I feel sad. And I think that's really what did it for me. So my stubbornness just basically completely took over. And I was sick and tired of other people trying to reject me for one reason or the other. Um, And I thought, no, I'm not giving you that power. Only I have the right and only I have the power to make the decisions for myself. Um, You know, so I'm that's that was it for me. I think that's when the light bulb went off in my head. No one rejects me. Bishamba rejects people. Yeah. But where is that? You I wrote three words down when I was like researching and looking at your content and I wrote energy, strong, elegant. But that's that's exactly like when you're talking, I'm like power woman, like just (laughs) how you are, how you outlook like that's just but how it it sounds like that hasn't always been the case and you've doubted yourself like you know when you were younger how how you know how I'm sorry I was just gonna interrupt you there it is very simple you know when you're in a situation the way I was as a child you do anything for control right because you're so out of control everything around you so out of control it's finally now that I'm able to control my own narrative I'm able to control things and I think when you are in control that's when things start to come together to some extent. I mean, psychologically, there's going to be people out there saying, well, that's not true. But for me, that's what feels right. Um, you know, so because I feel in control, I'm able to now decide that I'm not going to allow someone else to do X, Y, Z to me. I'm in control here. And the power lies with me because it should lie with me. It's my power, not anyone else's. Yeah, yeah it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I think relationship with food or trying to fit in or anything that we've talked about I think whether you face one of them two of them all of them I think a lot of people battle with it their entire lives and just feel either at a point where they're just exhausted of of trying and never getting anywhere or never overcoming it so they just Mm -hmm. kind of accept that that's the way it's got to be and never actually get any further they just feel shit the whole time um it's just it's it's really difficult but it's really good to hear that it is possible and it is you know change is is good and and I think what's empowering is when you say you know people shouldn't control my feelings I control my own feelings which you know there's a lot of like empowerment self-love out there at the moment but let's call a spade a spade like I am in control of mine and and the 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 more confidence and, and inner confidence and self-belief I build within myself, the less I'm affected by external sources, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work and it's, you know, it's not like you come to the end of the ladder, you're constantly climbing, you're constantly learning, um, you know, and for me, I just marry that up with, but nothing's ever constant at the end of the day, you know, there's always room for growth, you will always, as long as you want to, you know, it all comes down to what you want as well at the end of the day, and I always want to constantly learn about myself, about others, I want to be more aware, you know, so I do the right thing for myself and for others around me. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've done to climb that ladder and to build that confidence and that self-esteem? I think the biggest thing for me is just coming to recognize that, you know, um, nothing's ever constant. So if I could be feeling really sad or really low and, you know, there's 101 things that are going on around me that's affecting my emotional and mental health, you know, I have to have the self-belief and the gratitude Um, you know, that it's not going to be forever. Things always change. And I always bring, um, you know, 
the the thought of a running a flowing river in my in my mind so just like water you never stop it it keeps flowing and that's life and that's always what I tell myself yeah yeah completely no I love that um you talked a little bit about childhood and your upbringing and that you know you've you came from a domestic um violence household and your dad had issues with drinking how has that affected you and what what was that like as a youngster Oh, it was hell. It was absolutely hell. Um, and I think that's another reason why in the end I decided to, you know, work in child protection, because when you've gone through it yourself, you don't want that ever on anyone else, if that makes sense. Um, so all I ever wanted to do was make sure that nobody ever feels as much as I can. You obviously can't stop bad things from happening to anybody. You know, that's just the the world that we live in, but you want to make sure that people are protected as much as possible. Um, And that's the reason why I went into, into the field that I did. And the truth of the matter is, is even though I'm an adult now and I'm learning to heal, I'm far from healing, um, but I'm trying my best. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Um, through my work, I'm able to support and help other people, but also helping myself heal too. Um, so it, it, it was horrible, you know, when you feel completely alone, um, been there, done that and don't want anyone to feel it. Yeah, it must be hard. And, and I guess how has that kind of transpired into obviously you do child protection work now, but has it transpired into relationships or trust or anything like that as, a, as an adult? It really, really, really impacts you as an adult. And it certainly impacted me. Um, You know, when you look to um, a fatherly figure for, you know, certain protection in your life as a child or even a parent, you know, it doesn't have to just be a father. Um, And when that's not there, you know, um, it's really hard to trust men uh, um, for me, certainly in a relationship where, you know, I I'm I'm far from the perfect partner myself, you know, because so much damage is done. And now I'm in a process of undoing that damage. Um, the truth of the matter is, you know, there's just so much that I've learned that I wish that I hadn't picked up. But when you're children, you're like sponges, aren't you? You learn that and it's always fight or flight. And unfortunately, in intimate relations for me, you know, my response would be probably fight where I'll be, you know, verbally aggressive. And I don't mean to come across in that way. So there's so many things and so much damage that's been done that, you know, it's just a, a work in progress, um, to be really honest with you. But I definitely struggle in intimate relationships with partners, hence why I find it really hard to even hold down relationships. Yeah. And is that from a 
a trust perspective, a communication, or is it part of letting it's you? It's just know? a question for me. So it's not like I've ever felt like I can't trust someone. I can easily do things like that. It's just that I just don't know how to sometimes regulate my emotions where, you know, I would feel like something could be dealt with in a completely different way. But when when you're in the heat of the moment, um, obviously being a woman and then all your hormones on top, you know, they're just added layers that you have to deal with. Um, And then you've got all this unresolved trauma as well, where all my life I've just carried on putting a plaster on it and every time the, pa- the plaster's just fallen off and every time I've picked it up and just stuck the same plaster on and, on and again and the truth of the matter is you know that plaster's not sticking anymore and I've come to that realization at this point in my life now where finally I can do that work through therapy um, and that I have been doing and it's going to take years but so yeah basically <laughs> yeah so I find it really difficult to um, trust men um, you know and it's going to take a lot of uh, undoing yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because I grew up in a household where my parents just shouted all the time and my mum our method of communication was to shout it wasn't like hi how's your day it was like eat your tea now eat your tea go to bed like literally that's how we talked or we'd just fight I've got two siblings and we just fight all the time so when I um my first relationship I was about 21 and really nice guy, really nice household, like family vibes. And I was like, well, this is different. Like they sit down and have their dinner as a family and they all like each other. Like, this is so strange. And the way I communicated to him, I just shouted all the time and I didn't get it. And he was like, why are you so angry? And I was like, why are you so nice? Like, why are you so nice? And then it, it was just a carnage. We were together for five years and it was, it was carnage. And then I moved to London and I was like, oh my God, other people, nobody, nobody else is shouting. Like, why is nobody shouting? Like, none of my friends were aggressive. And I learned a whole new way of life and communicating. And part of it's growing up, but I was it, the best thing I've ever done. Like, to move away from home, meet people, get to figure out how other people grew up and what their upbringings were and how they communicate. And it's so interesting how what you experience as a child or in your home manifests then into who you are and how you are as an adult yeah and I think another thing for me um certainly I want to have children in the future and I just think to myself it's like a cycle and if somebody does not break this you know it's just going to carry on from what I've learned God knows how many generations that's filtered down to as well I want to break that I do not want my children to grow up thinking that they can talk to people sometimes the way I do you know I'm not no angel or sometimes you know for me to you know, allow things to go as well, to feel confident and comfortable to say, well, actually, no means no. You know, we want that to stop. It works both ways. So that's another thing that's always been there for me. I don't want to pass that on to my children or the next generation to come for me. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I keep saying at the minute, I want to have, I never wanted kids ever until about two years ago. And I'm 31 now. And I'm like, I want kids. Like I, I want, want like as many as I can have. And my sister's like, why is it all changed all of a sudden? And I'm like, well, I just learned a whole new way of being. And why would I not want to share that? A bit like you said, like, why would I not want to pass that on? You know, I find it quite liberating. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, You talked about like family and family pressures and pressures of meeting someone and being in a relationship what is that situation like now 
Um, so to be honest with you, one thing that I've been very lucky with in my family setup is even though on a sort of a, on a community level, people always would put that pressure on you and say, well, you need to get married, blah, blah, blah. My family directly have never said like, oh, now Bishamba, you're this old, you've got to get married. So I, or, you know, you need to find yourself someone. So they never really put that pressure. So in that sense, I've been very blessed where I know a lot of girls who are my age or from my, um, you know, ethical background who basically have had to get married by a certain age, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm quite lucky. Um, but as time has gone on, you know, like now I'm 36 years old and I'm single, ready to mingle. Um, but, you know, um, <laughs> life goes on. you're going to meet people in your in your time and some you're going to get on with. Some are going to show you an absolutely amazing side to you as an individual, as a person. And some people are going to show you an absolute ugly side to you and hold the mirror up to you as well. You know, and that's where I like I said earlier on, I've come to the realization that I can't carry on putting that plaster because it all of it stems back down to my childhood for me um, and especially if I want to have children they cannot be brought into this environment that's not the mom I want to be be that's not the mom that I would want any child to have how are you in terms of dating how are you trying to rip off that band-aid so to speak like how are you trying to unravel some of that cocoon or that wall that you've wrapped yourself in I think it's really bizarre. You know, if somebody, if they never knew my story, they would never think twice that, oh, you know, she's got all these issues that she might be dealing with. I come across really confident. You know, I don't have any problems when it comes to dating, um, you know, and where this is not the same Bashamba maybe 15, 20 years ago. Now I absolutely have no problem whatsoever with rejection you know if somebody like online dating for example if I am on the social media apps you know if anybody wants to delete me straight away or ghost me it doesn't hurt anymore it's really bizarre um that's the level of control that I've taken back for myself and I've come to the realization where first you know no boy ever wanted to be in a relationship with me because I was fat. Um, you know, I was always constantly looked down at. Now I've come to the realization that there's going to be men out there that absolutely love a woman who's got my body. And there's going to be men out there who don't. And it's OK. You know, we all have choices. You know, there's certain criteria that I have for what I feel attracted to. So why is it not OK if somebody else has that as well? So that's why I don't find dating difficult anymore, like I probably did do 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. it's funny isn't it because um I date or try to I'm not my most comfortable like like um when I'm in a dating situation I'm getting a lot better in the past couple of years but um it is funny how we say to ourselves will he like this if I lose a couple of pounds he's probably gonna like me more or like does he like my hair like this or like I really need to put makeup on because he's coming around tonight and it's like it is getting that narrative out of your head because in actual fact if you ask a lot of guys, they actually don't care. Like they like what they like, but as, as we do as well, we like what we like. And, and, and as you just said there, it's what fits into your narrative of being, of being attractive. Um, so it kind of makes you think it's crazy that where it's obviously historical and it's come from dated back years. So it's not going to change anytime soon. But when you think about it from that lens, it's kind of crazy that we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect for men. Uh, yeah, and it's absolutely crazy. And again, going back to, you know, the traumas that we have experienced as children, you know, part of my issue is abandonment and attachment to some extent as well. And this is really bad that I do it, but I just don't have the time and the energy because I'm so busy doing everything else 
to try and portray this perfect version of Bishamba, I just want to be me. There's days where I'm extremely moody. There's days where I probably, you know, not physically, but I just want to kill you, moody, because <laughs> you've annoyed me so much, um, you know, and I want to be able to express that. I don't want someone to think that, oh, in the beginning she was like this, now look at her. I'm, I'm not here for that energy. I'm just here to be myself with the good, the bad, the ugly. You're happy. You want to invest in it. Good for you. I'm far from perfect. This is a sketch with me. And that's really my outlook on a lot of things in life. I just don't have the time and energy to portray something that's not there. It's funny how when you make a pact with yourself to stop sweating the small stuff, yeah. how much your life can actually change and how like you flip a lot of, like, I get a lot of comments like, how do you stay so positive? I don't think I'm positive. I think I've just stopped stressing out about the trivial stuff that actually doesn't matter because your mood, your mood changes in a few weeks and therefore you forget that you were even pissed off about it. Like I just, I do think when you stop bothering about the minor things, you, you feel lighter and you're not as bogged down as that's my experience of it anyway. I don't know if I'm articulating it right or not, but. And I agree with you. Cause I think one thing that I definitely do in that situation is I, I come to realize, well, can I change it? If I can, then great, change it. If I can't, then just whatever, let it be. Yeah. Let's move on to your socials and building your social community, because obviously that's a big part of your life and you've built quite a big community on there. And obviously you are an Asian plus size model, which is how you describe yourself. And I imagine not only to you, but for a lot of people, that means a lot, because like you said, you didn't see anyone that looked like you or represented somebody that looked like you growing up. So Let's just talk about that community, how you've built it, why you've built Well, we know a bit about why you've built it, but um, yeah, just your, your experience of it. For me, it was, like I said, very, very important that I do it. Some people still can't get their heads around, you know, why do you feel that you've got to mention it? But it's so important that I do mention it because if you, you know, there's, there's so many times I say it even now, we, we've progressed so much when it comes to like, you know, what we expect of models and how much we want to see society reflected in what we see you know if it's a campaign for example then even now I always say it to my loved ones and my friends turn on the tv and you tell me how many times you will see someone who's actually South Asian represented you'll see that we're doing great when it comes to diversity but there's only a certain type of diversity still being ticked and that's why it's important that I actually say well hang on a second just because I'm brown doesn't mean that all brown people actually you know belong to one ethnic group um you know especially South Asians we're like you know six point something percent of the UK's population with the second largest population in the whole entire world um and yet if you think about it who's there to represent us what Priyanka Chopra <laughs> you know when we look at the west there you know there's more brown people in this world that are doing well um but sadly you know we're not given that opportunity we don't have a seat at the table and um, you know where a lot of people are able to represent their their culture and their ethnicity um but south asians aren't and we're still very very far behind in that um so that's why you know i have that emphasis this is who i am not only am i you know a woman of color i'm also a plus size woman and I wear that badge with great pride. So that's what I try to build, you know, my socials on because it's my identity. Yeah. And I, I think it's so empowering. And I, I think your socials are, are such a positive 
space empowering is the word it's it's you go on there and you feel driven to be yourself which is Mm -hmm. it's a pretty incredible thing to be fair when you when you look at it from 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 that lens it's a it's an amazing thing to to be doing and, and have achieved you know but even my journey on socials changed massively. I mean, starting off at the beginning, there was always this massive push for, you know, influencers to constantly be posting and you've got to be talking about something, you've got to be relevant. You know, I remember I've been on so many trips with other influencers and instead of actually enjoying the moment they're in, everyone's just in a corner getting the, the best shot. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, I don't want to be like this. And so many of my followers have actually turned around and said, well, Bishamba, you don't post that much no more. You don't talk that much how you used to on your socials. Um, and again, you know, is that constant pressure all the time? Because I've always had that pressure as a child growing up, you know, I don't want to feel that pressure now. I want to, that's my platform. I will talk when I want to talk. I will make whatever point that I want to. I will put whatever image I want to out there, you know, on my terms. Um, so even the whole social game for me has changed massively. And I remember right at the beginning where I have, you know, people from all over the world that watch my socials. I've got a massive following from South Asia. I've got a big following from the Middle East. I've got a big following here from the United Kingdom. I can speak up to more than four languages, for example, and I feel no shame in talking in a different language on my socials. I feel no shame in posting something that might be said in a totally different language, you know. And I think we should be exposed um, to things like that. That's my plus point that I can speak these languages, that I can speak to this massive audience in their own way, rather than just speaking one universal language, English, for example. Um, so yeah, you know, my socials have always been on my terms, what feels authentic and real to me. Yeah. I was going to ask you about culture because you obviously have spoken about culture and it's a big part of who you are. You post a lot of pictures of your family on your social. And I feel like you interpret culture or I'm interpreting culture from you in a completely different way in that it's just your culture is just you and it's who you are. It's really interesting. I'm yeah. Again, am I articulating that right? But I I do sense it is just, it's you and it's, you've taken every little element of who you are in your life. And um, it feels quite vibrant and that's how you've delivered it. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's my DNA at the end of the day. Right. So it's in every fiber of me. You know, the fact that I am able to do things that probably other people can't and there's things that other people that can do that I can't, you know, and that's why, you know, like, for example, you, you know, you said and you always say in your episodes as well, what does beauty mean to you? And, you know, and for me, beauty, the bottom line is beauty is in being different. I always say that as cliche as it sounds, you know, who is to say that only one way is beautiful or only one way is right. For me, there's beauty in that, you know, I've got long, wet, soggy hair right now, but it's long. It's my DNA. It comes from my ancestors and beauty is, you know, that you've got absolutely amazing skin and your hair color as well. Everyone's got their, their own beauty. Everyone brings their own thing to the table. Um, you know, and what we forget is, generations behind us that basically have helped us to be and become what we are whether it's physically emotionally mentally there's so much work that has gone into just us existing today completely yeah this really refreshing it is really refreshing to hear um just slight change of topic you are obviously practice law outside of 
your socials and creating content. Who is Bashamba the lawyer? Who, I don't know if if it is a different version of you, but obviously the two are, are quite different things. Yeah. So who are you? Yeah, as who is Bashamba the lawyer? Bashamba the lawyer is very strict. <laughs> very strict. <laughs> Um, But, you know, even doing that, the beauty of it comes back down to just wanting to help, Um, you know, any situation that I'm in, I'll be able to, you know, give or any situation someone's in, or if I can give legal advice, it would always be for the betterment of the situation that they're in. And it's just that urge of wanting someone not to suffer. So if I can help them, that's what I want to do. I've... um, taken my socials sometimes away from just modeling because I don't believe that models are just models We're, you know we're not just a face or a body we're you know we're human beings that have got a story we've got a voice and you know violence against women especially in South Asian communities is something that I'm extremely extremely passionate about Um, and it's my own experiences that have made me this way and I do feel that it will be shame on me that if I have been granted um, you know a platform that I don't use it for the betterment of society and that's where my lawyer hat comes on you know where I don't want other people to suffer and I want people to be educated for them to know actually what their rights are, what resources are available out there to them. Um, so, you know, that's what I use my platforms for. And that's the lawyer Bishamba. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's really smart. And, and how did you get into law? Was it, was it that want to help or was it family pressures or, to be honest with you, I'm a bit of a fluke when it comes to my life. I never make like <laughs> solid plans um, and it sounds absolutely crazy, but I never ever can. I can't tell you one situation where I've said to you, you know what, that's exactly what I want to do. And that's what I've gone and done. Life has just presented me at certain situations. I find myself in front of a certain door and I'll be like, OK, let's open it and walk through. And then I just go down this path. And then before you know it, I've got a law degree. And before you know it, I'm now a magistrate before you know it oh now she's actually in child protection or before you know it she's a bloody model so I never planned these things like you know how some people say like if you ask me what do you want to be when you're a child I'd probably say policeman or something I know kids say weird things but you know I never ever thought in my life that I'd you know end up being any of the things or living the life that I'm living now in its own way didn't plan any of it and that's the beauty of it you know it was just something that was born out of can I do that and I said, yeah, of course I can. And I'm doing it. And here I am so many years later, bringing change, whether that's small or big, it's irrelevant. I'm bringing change. I'm doing my bit. Have you ever been someone who puts pressure on yourself? I mean, it sounds like you haven't, but equally don't want to put words in your mouth. But I'm asking you because I feel like when you turn the volume down on pressure, you release something that allows things to happen. When you try and control everything, I feel like you put massive blockers on your progression. It causes I'm a, bit, yeah, I'm a bit bipolar in that situation, I would say. And the, the reason why I use that word is because I'm neither there or neither am I there. Um, so one minute, you know, I feel that I need that control because I've been so out of control all my life. Um, and then on the other hand, when I feel like everything's out of control, my automatic response is, forget it, I give up kind of vibe, but I don't really give up. I'm just easing control um so it's a it's a good balance for me sometimes I know when I need to rein it in sometimes I know where I can just release and relax a little bit as well yeah and I think knowing yourself is the is what I just got out of that and and I I guess it it's been the common theme throughout this conversation in 
just be yeah knowing yourself and being completely comfortable with all elements not just the positive but liking the crappy little things or the little quirks or the weird things and that is like what you said you know it's it is beauty and it's what makes us us Mm. yeah absolutely and it goes back to every fiber of us you know so much has happened for us to be in this situation and I really am a, a strong believer in fate as well and I'm going off a little bit and acting like I'm spiritual but you know I have to in order for me to cope through life as well that I am exactly where I'm meant to be yeah okay let's touch on beauty because we haven't really talked too much about it but you obviously post a bit of content about beauty um I'm guessing it's a part of your life and and interested to find out what your relationship with it is very hit and miss if I'm honest with you normally when I think of beauty I think of makeup and products and things like that but what I have learned as time has gone on beauty isn't just my face you know beauty is every part of my body you know my skin my feet everything my hair you know Um, so for me that's how I look at it if I'm thinking about what's physical for me but of course beauty also at the same time which I very openly say doesn't just come from your outer look it's the amazing things that you do every little you know every single day you might do one little good deed you know for somebody else that's beautiful you know even allowing someone to stop in your car and let them cross the road or whatever or helping your next door neighbor get a pint of milk or whatever you know your actions are beautiful you know physically things that you might want to do for yourself if it's your self-care routine you know your skincare whatever that's beauty as well but am I somebody that has this regime and this routine and I do it all the time no you know I should be better at it I should drink more water do I no um I should eat better do I no but I'm not going to hang myself for it you know (laughs) I know that I could do better and I'm learning to yeah and I think that's okay like the shoulda woulda coulda like it's mm. to just do you and, and and again like life is for living like there's little things in every day that are to be enjoyed whether that's having a pizza for your tea rather than a salad I don't know like just do you I think it's so important to just have that bit of flex you know absolutely and not feel guilty and bad about it and you know one thing that I heard another influencer say which is so beautiful many years ago and it really stuck with me you know there's um nothing positive ever comes out of shame so if you are constantly going to be shaming yourself or others around you of course nothing positive is going to come out of it you're not going to do anything positive for yourself if you're trying to encourage somebody to do something positive but you're shaming them at the same time thinking that it's for their best of course they're not going to make positive steps forward so you know I I'm very mindful of that for myself and for others around me. I agree. And I think, um, especially as women, I think we're told in a lot of cases to be ashamed of who we are. Do well. You can't do that. Lose weight. You're too thin. Your body's too fat. Like you're eating too much. You're too tall. You're too skinny. Uh, It's like, God, I leave me alone, you know? And I think this is where this huge breakout has come of people just being like, I want to be me. I want to be plus size. I want to be me. I want to have acne. I want to whatever, you know, and it's, it's really refreshing. It's definitely an interesting time for for women in in general. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. And again, touching back on what I said earlier, I wish that I was exposed to that where we are now as a child. Yeah. 
yeah, I completely agree. Um, so moving into the final question, I think you did kind of answer it then, but you might want to answer it or interpret in a different way. But what is your version of beauty? Just for me to accept and understand, you know, that we're we're all different. We all bring different things to the table. You know, beauty doesn't have to be just one particular way. You know, you know, like I said earlier on, there's so much that has happened for us to be where we are today, whether we think of our, our chemistry, our biology, everything, every fiber of us, so much work has gone into it over the years. So for me, beauty is about being different. I love that. And, and thank you for this conversation. It's been really wholesome, really refreshing, inspiring. Um, and thank you because, yeah, it's thanks for taking the time. It's really meant a lot. No, my pleasure, Chloe. And it's been so good to. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Talk to you. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and leave us a review. 